So we're holding by Malachim Aleph, we had Perachaf Aleph, Pasach Ches, this year we started as Aschosi Lenishmas, Yicheskel Shraga Ben Avram Yehuda, Shosbi Aschosi Lenishmas, Moshe Ben Daniel, Chaim Elaz Ben Shem Shanaria, and Esther Tzirol Bas Yicheskel, as well as Aschos Fufur Shlema, V'chaim Moshe Shua Ben Malka, Chaim Doi Ben Menorachon, Chan Aliyah Bas Shendo Rachel. It should also be Aschos for all those in Amakam Sakana, in and around Eretz Yisrael. So we saw previously that Achav was very upset at the refusal by Navais to sell him the vineyard, and he goes home and he doesn't want to eat. He doesn't want to talk to people. His wife asks him what the story is when he tells her that Navais is refusing to give him the vineyard. So Izevel says, you go and eat and feel better and I'll take care of things. So Pasaches starts setting up this conspiracy that Izevel is going to frame Navais. Pasaches, Vatichtoi Svarim B'Shem Achav. She writes letters in the name of Achav. Vatichtoi B'Chaisamoi. And she signs them using his seal. Tishlach Svarim, and she sends these letters, Elaskenim Vialachoyrim, to the elders and the officials, Asher Bi'iroi, that were in the city, Ayoshim Esnavais, where Navais lived. So she reaches out with these letters to the elders and the officials of Yisrael. So the Rabbag says that if she is confiding in these elders and these chayrim, these officials, it has to be that she knew she could trust them, that these people were like her. They were, were had no issue executing an innocent man and confiscating his property for the king. The Radak points out that from the fact that she has to create a whole conspiracy and frame Navais for a crime that he's guilty of, of Skila, shows that the people would not have tolerated her just randomly executing Navais and confiscating his field without any reason. And this shows that although the people were steeped in Avay Zara, that they still remained loyal to the Halachas Ben Adam Lachavero, to Chosh Mishpat, and they would not tolerate the killing of an innocent person in order to just seize his property. So therefore, Izevel works with a group of people and creates this conspiracy uh, that uh, to, to execute Navais. Either these people shared the same immoral attitude that she did, or they were just too afraid of her to protest. And in this way, she was able to execute Navais, but she couldn't just go straight out and kill Navais without having some excuse to do it. Apparently, the people would not have tolerated it. And that says something about at least the level that the people were on, although they were steeped in Navai de Zara, but they were not completely immoral people. So Pasuk Tess continues now with the conspiracy, with the plan. She wrote in the letter saying, I want you to declare a fast. Now Rashi says when they declared a fast, that was in order to gather everyone together to Davin and to determine what Averas had to, uh, they had to be Mechaper for. So declare a fast and then seat Navais at the head of the people. Meaning, says the Malbim, that whoever was accused of some serious crime that needed a real kapara, so they would be seated at the head so that the charges could be brought against them, the adim and whatever evidence could be presented, and then the person would have the opportunity to respond. So seat Navais at the head, because Navais here is going to be accused of a very serious crime. Pasuk Yud, Vaishivu Shnayim Anoshim, and you should seat next to him two people, Anoshim B'nei B'lial Negdoi, two immoral people opposite him, two people who will be part of our conspiracy, V'iduhu Leymar, and they should testify against him, saying, Be'irachta Eleikim V'melech, that Nova is cursed God, and he also cursed the king. 
These are Averas that a person is Chayev Skila for. Take him out and stone him, Viyamas, and that way he will be killed, he'll be eliminated, and now Achav can go and seize the field. So Mitzuta says that she specifically requests B'nai B'lial that she needs immoral people because only immoral people, someone without a conscience, would be okay with accusing Navais of a crime and ex- having him executed for something he didn't do. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, Dafmem Chesamid Beis, discusses why she had to accuse Navais of two crimes, of cursing God and cursing the king. Either one by itself, he would be high of Misa. So the Gemara there says that uh, there is a shita that holds that when someone curses the king, the king inherits the property. So in order for, for Achav to inherit the property, she had to accuse him as well of cursing the king. Uh, what about the other Madiyamar who holds that a, the family still keeps the property? So then what was the purpose of accusing him of cursing the king? So even according to that Madiyamar, Achav was the closest Yairesh, was the closest heir, and therefore once Navais was executed, Achav would have inherited the property anyway. The uh, Radak says, so if that's the case, so then just accuse him of cursing the king. Why are you accusing him of cursing God? And that was to inflame the people, to get them upset against Navais. And the Masha points out, so that way they wouldn't do their due diligence in really looking into the crime. They would be so upset that Navais, he cursed God and he cursed the king, that they would rush to put him to death and execute him without looking too carefully at the charges. And you see here, again, another Limutz uh, Chus on Klai Yisrael. These are people that are steeped in Avodah Zarah. They're and yet, if someone is accused of cursing God, it upsets them. It still bothers them to the point that they would rush to execute such a person. The Malbim understands this differently because the Malbim is bothered. Why is she writing Svarim, which is written evidence that the that the Iskenim and the Chayrim can then show the people and, and expose Izevel's whole plot to the people with written evidence that she wants Navais framed, so why would she risk it? Why is she involving two groups of people? Why is she writing multiple letters? Uh, like, she should try to keep this under wraps as much as possible. So to explain all of this, the Malbim has a different shot. And he says that Izevel really understood that Navais had embarrassed Achav and embarrassed Achav's gods by referring to the Nachlas Avaisav. And so she wanted Navais held accountable for, uh, for demeaning her gods and also for demeaning the king. However, for the king to go and testify that Navais did Bercha Selekim, so that's something that the king could do. But for the king to go and testify that Navais cursed the king, so that would be demeaning for the king. So therefore, her plan is not that Navais should be accused of something he didn't do, but rather that Adim should accuse Navais in place of Achav. Yes, the Adim didn't see that, that, that Navais had done this to Achav. But the reason why she was so open about it is that she felt she could get people on her side who would make the accusation as if they were there because it really happened. These weren't people that were accusing Navais of something that didn't happen. Rather, they were accusing Navais instead of the king, and that way it wouldn't be demeaning for the king to have to come on his own and testify against Navais. And that way, the people wouldn't feel so bad. They're putting Navais to death. Well, he's really Chayv Misa anyway. It's just that we don't want to demean the king by making him come down. So therefore, we're going to accuse Navais of doing this, but we're not worried that Navais is going to be executed falsely because Navais really is guilty of what we're accusing him of. Just want to end off with a lesson that the Gemara tells us in Sanhedrin. This is on Chavtes Samad Aleph. The Gemara says 
that one of the things that they frighten witnesses at or try to intimidate the witnesses in case they are they are testifying falsely is to tell them that even the people who hired them to testify falsely don't respect them. And the Gemara brings Araya from here. The fact that she's referring to the people who are going to testify falsely as B'nai B'lial, she's degrading them before they even testified. She doesn't respect them. She calls them B'nai B'lial from the outset. It shows that what she already thought of these people before she even hired them. So the Gemara says that we tell them, you think that the person who hired you, if you are testifying falsely, respects you. He doesn't even respect you behind your back. He's already calling you B'nai B'lial. And therefore, what motivation should you have to testify falsely on their behalf?